It's just very quickly because one of my big scholarly interests is sort of the influence of capital P progressivism on 20th century U.S. foreign policy. It's the the Mm -hmm. construction of empire as a progressive policy. And in doing reading for this forthcoming volume on Cold War liberalism that uh, that I have coming out, I read a lot in early modern history. And it seems like this was formative, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is that it's really formative to English colonialism. This this notion of benevolence, this notion that empire, nation, benevolence, lifting up, have gone together in the Anglo and then Anglo-American imagination from the beginning. Is that what you're saying, just to clarify? I think it, it was absolutely there at the beginning, and it was... Uh, uh, formative in terms of understanding um, the colonizer worldview uh, at the at the kind of the crucial moment when colonization began. I, I don't think that it's consistent. And I and I and I think that um, it's important to understand how this shifts over time. It waxes kind of think and of wanes. It, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 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 It waxes and wanes over time. But it's 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 an it's an initial input. You know, to, to quote friend of the pod, Neil Ferguson, it's one of the killer apps of English colonialism early on. <laughs> killer apps. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, I think it, it really helps to explain why um, colonizers behaved in, in certain kinds of ways, in, including how they could, in their own minds, justify policies that were almost delusionally optimistic and at the same time, um, sometimes, like virtually, literally, at the same time, also engage in policies uh, or actions that were incredibly uh, violent. Uh, because you know, I think it's easy to to take this whole kind of um, you know ideology of 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 uplift of um, of of civilizing. Uh, the civilizing mission. I, I think it's really easy to think of that cynically as a kind of a cloak for much more um, real politic, you know, concerns. And and I think that that's a mistake. Um, I think that the English, at least the, the ones who were who were really thinking about this seriously, they were absolutely devoted to this idea of benevolent colonization. They thought that that was what they were trying to do. And I don't mean that to excuse any of the, the horrible things that they did, but, but I think that we have to take that seriously as a, as a goal, you know, that they, they didn't see this as, as just a means to an end. They saw it as part of the end that they were trying to accomplish. Uh, this is sort of related, I think. It kind of flows from, from this question of benevolency or benevolence. Um, can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the English crown and these indigenous chieftains or, you know, whatever uh, title they may have had. Uh, you talk about this in the, the essay, but sort of the different interpretations on either side of what exactly uh, the indigenous uh, leaders were agreeing to vis-a-vis their relationship with, with the English king. Yeah, um, th- thanks for the question, because I think, you know, so far we've been really talking about colonizers and the, the colonizing worldview, and, and, and it's, it's, it's really, really important to understand how indigenous peoples were constructing this encounter, what they were thinking about, what their forms of, of political theory were. Um, Matthew, just before you get into that, I actually had this, what are the sources for indigenous thought? I, just, I, I, re- I, I am just curious, I have no idea. 
That's a that's also a great question. <clears throat> um, traditionally, the the sources are almost entirely. Um, sources that were written down by by colonizers. So if we're talking about early Virginia, for example, you know, John Smith is kind of the canonical uh, source just because he wrote, he wrote so much. He was very into um, colonial promotion and self-promotion. Uh, and uh, so he just produced a lot of words that, um, <laughs> that are really useful for historians because he was such a keen observer. He was, you know, like a lot of Europeans at the time, he was a, a really terrible interpreter. He often drastically misunderstood what he was observing, but the details of what he was observing um, can be useful for historians to sort of to, to look at anew. And, and if we separate those two things, then we can um, get better insight. I think more, more recently, um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a different kind of, of source base that, that has